Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 474, Mr. Samich. Father's Day. Huzzah! <laughs> Late Father's Day to everybody who did not join us on Dudesy Bet Daily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I wasn't there for that one. So thank you. Yeah, uh, we were talking off air about our fun Father's Day experiences. And uh, unfortunately, my poor family was supposed to leave Saturday and they're still stuck here because their flights keep getting canceled. So uh, they're trying desperately to get back. It's become a joke now at this point. I just don't even clean up everything. I like I do the laundry after they you know pack up everything and then they come back a few hours later. And they leave, and I pack up everything, do the laundry, and they come back a few hours later. So I just told them I'm not doing laundry anymore. Well, you know what? Like ever. <laughs> friends don't let friends or family fly Spirit Airlines. That's the lesson in this. Just just don't. <laughs> it's never a good idea. It looks like a good idea. It's not a good idea. A- Aaron's nodding his head in the background. Uh, I'll remind Aaron, uh, you made me fly Spirit to get to Breeders' Cup last year. Although that's the only way I think the team could afford to send me Breeders' Cup. I remember those flights were a little expensive. Yeah, don't don't do spirit. It's just brutal, man. Because like it's it's every bag. It's you pay here, you pay there. There's no you can't recline your seats. They cancel flights all the time. It's just a train wreck of an airline. Uh, well, luckily, what's not a train wreck is the fact that Canterbury Park has a 10% low takeout on their pick five, and we're gonna be covering that. It'll be Wednesday, June 21st card. Uh, we had some agreement, actually, uh, some agreement in every single race. One race we saw dead on. Uh, we, you were so close to getting that five of, or to get to the pick six at Santa Anita. Uh, oh. I was rooting for you. I went four of six. You went five of six. That was a heartbreaking way to lose that one. It was pretty frustrating uh, because it wasn't just the, like the five of six. We got the price. We beat the the Baffert, the, the more experienced Baffert, the three horse there later with the five, who was a must use horse. The two must use horses run one, two, one of them at 10 to one in that first leg. So that was brutal. And it kind of sucked, too, because hindsight is obviously 2020. That five was gettable. If, if I had singled the seven in the second to last leg and found my way to that five. And if you go back and you watch the replay of the first race and you look Sheriff's second out numbers, that five was very gettable. It was a very, not going to say easy sequence, but it, for an $11,000 payday, that's one of the easier sequences you're going to get through if you're if you're able to get to a couple of those horses. And having the right horses and just not having that one, it, it, it sucks, man. That was that was frustrating. And I, it probably would have still paid four grand if the three horse wins there too, um, just because of how difficult the sequence was just from a number of horses perspective. So wish we could have got that home. Sucks to go five out of six, but uh, you know, we'll get it today. We'll get this Canterbury home. It's a fun card. We got some juju, good juju here in the chat, Nick Feldman. First show back after being married. Congrats, Nick. Uh, I'm impressed to see that your now wife is letting you still gamble on horse racing. Sometimes as soon as that ring goes on, all betting is off. So glad to see that you're back here. Uh, like we said, we're going to be at Canterbury Park for the late pick five on Wednesday, June 21st. Let's get into it, buddy. Riders up. Here we go, Mike. The first leg of the Canterbury late pick five on Wednesday, January 21st. Race five. We've got seven older fillies and mares sprinting six furlongs on the dirt in for $7,500 tags. Where'd you go on top? 
Uh, before we get into that, real quick, there's a fun card here. The second race also stakes rakes here from Canterbury Downs. They have a 10% uh, pick four takeout starting in race number one. So if you want to handicap the first four races on the card, low 10% takeout. I think it's definitely worth it. Fun little sequence there as well. The back half, really interesting. This first race, a little more messy. But after we get past this first one, it's a lot of fun from a stakes perspective. And we're going to see a lot of trainers that don't usually run at Canterbury Park running up there at Canterbury Park. I, this first race I thought was pretty interesting because you got a lot of horses that want to be forwardly placed. You got a couple horses that I, I think are really interesting just from a price perspective and how they're going to get bet in this race. Uh, for my bet or for my top pick, though, I went to the seven horse Where's Frankie here, uh, drop, coming in from uh, Turf Paradise and dropping down in class as well. And you saw him take a nice step forward. He's run at Canterbury before, been successful here, one for three career, went to Del Mar, ran in a low-level acclaimer there, ran in an allowance at Los Alamitos, then went over to Turf Paradise. I thought took a nice step forward there after leaving the Jonathan Wong barn. And we're dropping from $25,000 optional claimers all the way down to $7,500 claiming level. I think the seven is the speed of the speed. I think the seven is the most talented horse in here. And I, I considered singling, but I decided I wanted to go too deep with someone I thought could come from off the pace. We both agreed on the seven here. I agree with everything that you said. Uh, Jackie Harry Hernandez, top one on the circuit. He and trainer Jose Silva Jr. have won four of their last seven mounts together. Uh, Harry was aboard last year when he rode this horse to a big win, going six and a half got to start our allowance company so yeah we're agreement here uh we did differ uh go different ways on this one and i actually so you went literally to one direction in the field i went to the other i went with the horse i think will be on the lead and that's the five chive up at two to one uh not only does this look like the fastest horse early on paper you're also getting the uh five yeah five pound weight break with the bug jockey aboard easily one gate to wire versus 5k claimers now we step up to the 75k level uh first off a claim for rinksdorf um i don't have the stats on that one uh with time form but um i do know that the jock jockey's 20 percent out of, in the last year with winning and that's for a bug boy especially that's very strong what was the stats on uh he's eight percent one for 13. One for 13, first off the claim. All right, so not loving that so much, but we'll see. Uh, but we'll see what happens here. Like I said, I like the fact that the the Bug Boys aboard and was aboard last time I was riding through the claim as well. Yeah, I, I, I like the fact he's riding through the claim. I just don't love that last race that much. I mean, he went super fast. You got to give him credit for that. 21 and 2, 43, 43 and 4, but he's never had anywhere near that speed before. So I'm wondering kind of where that came from. Uh, we'll see if he can replicate that and still be able to hold on. The last time he tried to do that was over a turf course at Lone Star, and he quit pretty bad. Uh, was the two, was the 80 cent on the dollar favorite there that day? And the horse that ran second was the four horse, who I never even thought about considering to use. And that's one of the main reasons <laughs> I ended up not using the five horse, because I think the four sucks. And if the four <laughs> sucks and the five is only two lengths better than him, I think you can get around the five horse and I, this could chalk out too. So I wanted to make sure in every leg I had some horse that was at least a little bit of a price. And because of that, I thought, you know, let's look at the other dropper here. Let's look at the two horse chasing shadows. Uh, not a well-known trainer. He's two for 20, but he gets Lindy Wade to take them out. One of the top jockeys here at Canterbury. This one came in from Oakland Park last time out, ran at Canterbury and ran okay, especially considering the level. $10,000 optional claimers there. End up running a third, running third there in a five-horse field. So nothing spectacular, but that was going a mile. I think this horse wants the shorter distances. He's two for 14, sprint, uh, going six furlongs in his career, but he's hit the board in seven of those 14 attempts. And there's a bunch of speed in here. And I, it just it feels like if this thing collapses, 
the only horse that can actually pick up the pieces is the two t- chasing shadows. And so if the five and the seven go nuts up front, I think the seven is the one who's the more likely winner. And I think the two is the one who can come up and pick up the pieces if they just burn each other out. Uh, the rest is feeling very good either. I mean, really, it's the two, the five, and the seven. And I, because of the way the four was against the five last time out, I think it's the two and the seven you can move along. Yeah, I, I had the two and third here. Um, that I think the horse is going to be a, has a great chance to hit the board. I just as far as winning, I didn't see it going um, away from one of the two top speed horses here in the five or seven. But uh, we definitely agree on the seven. Uh, we move on the second leg of the late pick five at Canterbury Park on Wednesday, June twenty first. The Lady Canterbury Stakes for ten older fillies and mares going a mile on the grass. Where'd you go on top? This, I thought, was the toughest race of the sequence. Uh, there's a lot of speed in here again, ton of speed, and it's highlighted by She Can't Sing, who's your 9-to-5 favorite, Chris Block, Judith Ludberry. And you know what? She can't run either. She can't win. She can't sing. She can't run. Chuck her out of here. We don't need that <laughs> chalk. Uh, in all seriousness, she's probably the most likely winner, but I hate the price, and I don't think that she's anywhere near a 30% win percentage. I think she's got like a 15% win percentage. I think this thing is wide, wide open. So we're going to take a couple swings here. Give me the two moonlight current on top here. It's uh, look, Joe Brandt, very good at Canterbury. This horse, very good at Canterbury. Six for eight career. One of the two losses came last time out. You know what? That was the first time off a layoff. And that was the, for, as a five-year-old, now we're getting second off the layoff, something that Brandt does well, 20%. The horse still ran well. Just got just was not able to get up in time. Was an eighty cent on the dollar favorite that day. Now you're getting six to one on what I believe is the best local horse in this field, with the correct pace setup. There is going to be pace to chase in here for Midnight Current. I think he is flying late. I'm sorry. I think she is flying late, and she's able mm-hmm. to get the job done here. So give me the two Midnight Current on top. Uh, I have this horse in fourth. I didn't use this horse, but uh, I think this horse has got a great chance to come from off of it. Like you mentioned, um, I just think this is a, you have enough horses coming in um, that are either you know shipping in from from Lone Star or shipping in from Fairgrounds or you know different spots. It makes it a little tough for her, but um, I get what you're using her. Uh, for me, I did use the three. She can't sing on top. Uh, for me, this is a you know first of all. First of all, defending champion. Put some damn respect on her name. Uh, she's taken a big clash. Oh, shit. <laughs> Everything she's been in since then has been a, either a stakes with a higher purse or it's been graded uh, on top of that. So she's been facing much tougher competition. Um, she's been hit and miss with it. The only win that she has in that time period was actually on dirt at Churchill Downs. But she shows back up here. This is a much easier spot than she's been facing. And I love that Jareth Loveberry is back in town. We've got almost Kentucky Derby winning jockey, Jareth Loveberry, soon to be Ohio Derby winning jockey, Jareth Loveberry, in town at Canterbury Park on a Wednesday, and a lot of it's for She Can't Sing. So I put her on top. I understand the price trying to scare you off a little bit, but uh, I went there for a second. Uh, second horse I used, and I think, I don't know if you use this one or not. Uh, the number seven, taken to the cleaners at 10 to 1, is interesting to me. Uh it's a strong chance to win if she can get to the lead and get a slight gap on her lead. You know the instructions are going to be to go early from this spot. Kinona's has got to be on the muscle. Um, I, if she gets to the front, Mike, I think that she's going to have has a great chance to go gate to wire. And she's taken a pretty good class drop after setting the pace and tiring at Lone Star last time. That was a $200,000 stakes. We're now into a $75,000 stakes. If she replicates what she did at Fairgrounds 2 back, I think she's you know very dangerous here at 10 to 1. 
Yeah, your ticket's going to the cleaners because this thing's got no chance with the three and the seven on top. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, look, I, I tried to avoid most of the speed here. In my mind, or at least two of the horses I thought were going to be, want or have to be on the lead, I should say. I felt take to the cleaners uh, is one of those horses that kind of had to be in the lead. Uh, my second horse, I'm going to go to a price. Give me 12 to 1 on the four, Lady Hideaway here. Horse is nine, four for nine at Canterbury over the turf. Loves this racetrack. Loves to show up and run run well here. And again, I think it's the right pace setup. And ran really well at 29 to 1. I know end ended up running 4 or 5, but was only 4 lengths off the winner in the Mint Julep. A grade 3 race over at Churchill last time. Getting third off the layoff for the 6-year-old, who I think is going to take a step forward here. And any type of step forward puts her right in contention with everybody else. And you're sitting at a 12 to 1 price with a horse that has tactical speed and will be able to close from right off the pace. Uh, I didn't use this horse, but uh, I understand, especially at 12 to 1, why you're going to end up using her. Um, the one horse we did agree on, and I went 3 deep here, we talked about the number 5, Regal Realm, at 3 to 1. All horses won two straight, stepping up to the stakes company. These were allowance races, but they're at Gulfstream Park in the championship meet, and then at Belmont Park uh, after the uh, right around the time that they got started. So, uh, she, you know, both of those wins, by the way, two and a quarter length, like she got exactly the same amount of uh, distance in both of those. Third star of a four-year-old campaign. She's stretching out. She should be able to handle uh, this two-turn mile distance here. So don't love the price and don't like the jockey who's aboard necessarily, but uh, definitely want to use this horse regardless. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, it, so first off, the Bohemian Club ends up running third in that race at, uh, at Belmont, uh, who had run third in a grade three. The Pebbles last year was one of those Chad Brown horses a lot of people thought would be good, who may be a, a threat winning uh, graded stakes up at Saratoga later. So pretty good race uh, that Regal Realm won out of last time. Interesting to see Giroux and Biskitza, the two jockeys that Jonathan Thomas gets, because that was not like... I was I was kind of hoping we'd get someone a little bit better than those two, uh, but hey, here we are, and that's a problem again. I think in a later race, uh, but we'll we'll get there when we need to. Yeah, I, I think Regal Realm has a big shot here, and this is one again who does not need the lead, so doesn't need to be involved in that pace duel, but can sit close and be able to pounce and get the job done. So I think Regal Realm has a big chance, and I'm going to use the other Thomas too. I'm going to use the outside Mufi as well. Uh, we'll see if Mufi ends up in this race. Also cross-centered at Indiana Grand on the 21st of June. So we'll see what happens there. But if Mufi ends up in, I like the stretch out here. Another horse that's been able to come up from off the pace on the dirt and run against some pretty good horses, too. I mean, Olivia Darling, Hot Peppers, uh, You're So Silly, the, uh, what is it, Adrian Julia, I think, or what is the... Adeline Julia. Adeline Julia. There you go. Churchill came out one or next race as well. So face some good horses over the dirt here. Uh, and now switching over to turf, but should have no issue from a turf perspective. Uh, you got Uncle Mo out of a smart strike mare. The Tomlinson number is 410. She should be able to handle it. She doesn't need the lead. I, I think you got to use both Thomases if you're using either in my mind. Uh, the 10 is interesting. I, I had a feeling this horse wasn't going to run either, so I didn't put too much stock in her. But, uh, it, you know, interesting also that she starts her career two for three and misses by a head in that loss. And then she's gone for a little over a year. She comes back and she's nine to one when she was three to five and five to two and, and four to one in previous starts there. Um, it's it's nice to see that she steps up instead of, you know, a class drop off of that effort. But uh uh, she is running for a purse that's almost half the size of what the allowance she was in at Churchill Downs. That's kind of funny uh, to look at there. And if if the 10 does end up not showing up, I'm going to use the 8 Let's Skedaddle as my next horse in. The other Brant horse who's going to be flying late. Uh, I couldn't, I mean, I could, I guess, use all five if I wanted to here. 
So if you want to add my eight, it's really not that expensive. I think my ticket's 54 <laughs> bucks. Uh, so totally possible to add it in if you want to add in the eight. But if the 10 scratches out, the eight would be the replacement for me. Yeah, uh, Bridge Mahan and Burnt, the trainer, uh, jockey combo, seven for their last 14 together. So uh, pretty hot. Did pretty you, hot group to be using there. Did you notice who owns the two? I just switched off of it. Hold on. It's uh, Midnight Lop Current. Lop yeah. The same owner as the three. I thought it was interesting that they have an uncoupled entry in the two and three here, especially with the three being your nine to five favorite. Hmm, that is interesting. I didn't. I, yeah, I knew that they were both Lothenbach, but I didn't think about the fact that they were. Huh. Maybe they have different coupling rules. And I know in, in California, they don't have coupling rules at all because they just they just don't have the horses. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I found it interesting that the two ended up in this race because she can't sing shipped in for it. Yes, that is a good point. And, you know, you get the top jockey Hernandez and Burnt, a good uh, trainer as well. Uh, let's move on. Third leg of the Canterbury Late Pick 5 on Wednesday, June 21st. Race 7, the Dark Star Turf Sprint Stakes for eight older males going five furlongs on the grass. Where'd you go on top, buddy? What the hell happened to Artisan City Limits? I mean, this was a really good horse last summer. And the two efforts this year have been atrocious. Do, like, do you think we can just chuck them out? Do you think the horse still has it? I mean, this to me was the big question when I was handicapping this race because if Artemis City Limits runs back to the Artemis City Limits at Saratoga in uh, at Kentucky Downs, wins this race for fun. If we run the race we ran the last two, this horse should be 12 to 1. And so it's kind of a question of why are we here and what Artemis City Limits are we getting? I I'm going to tend to think we're going to get the good one. And that's why I use this horse on top. I, I think you're going to see the better version of Artemis City Limits. Don't love the price, but I think Maker's shipping this horse in to get some confidence back more than anything else. Uh, pretty tough spots. I mean, Beer Can Man, nothing better last time. Caravel, the two times before that. Golden Pal before that. Uh, so not like we were doing any favors for this horse the last few races. I think you're trying to get a lighter spot to get the confidence going again. So I'm going to put Artemis City Limits on top. But I... I, I heavily recommend not singling this horse. And if you are going to go crazy deep, like four deep in this race, don't use Artemis City Limits because the reason you're going four deep is you think you can beat this horse. So you should actually try and beat the horse. Well, I went four deep. So if, screw you in that theory. That theory <laughs> sucks. <laughs> uh, I went back and forth on this horse too about what to do. Uh, you know, what ended up selling me on it, because my concern actually was that this horse doesn't run well um when he's off lasix and he was on lasix last time out at pimlico in that stakes race and that was a, a good effort if you look at the fact that nothing better led until he got caught at the wire by beer can man who was sitting within a length of him the whole race and coppola was just another length behind them artemis city limits had to come from way off the pace and he's the only one that really closed like he did so that's going for him but again he was on lasix that day his his previous races before that without lasix so it's kind of when things started to turn south for him a little bit um, for me, I, I really like the number two minister of soul here at 10 to one. I got a seven and a half length win on the local dirt against allowance horses and somehow in age nine, he's in top form right now. He has back races in his form to say, you know, the turf, he should be able to handle the surface. Um, he hasn't consistently run on it, but he does have good races on it in the past. And you combine that with the fact that I think he's in good, very good form right now. Um, it gives me good hope here. Uh, you got to note that Harry Hernandez keeps the mount here instead of going somewhere else. He's 32% winners in the last year for the trainer. Um, I like that a lot. It, he could be a rocket ship out of post two, and he could be so fast that they're not able to catch him. So I put the two on here, and, and especially at 10 to 1, I'm going to take that risk.
Yeah, I, I went back and forth on the two. It's the horse that I ended up putting in fourth. So if I went or third, so if I went one more deep, the two horse was going to be the one on the ticket. And it's just it's kind of feels like a, one of those classic unknown horses. We talked about the known versus unknown. I'm not sure what we're going to get from Masters or Minister of Soul, but let's say Artemis Simi, Artemis City Limits is the current Artemis City Limits and not the one from last year. That also means Minister of Soul probably is the fastest horse in this field, right? And so if that's the case, and then Artemis City Limits gets pinched back at the break, Minister of Soul has a shot at taking this field gate to wire. There is quite a bit of speed. Um, so I, I will see if he's able to hold on late there, but the cutback and distance should be a positive. You mentioned he has tried the turf five times, so it's not like this is a completely new thing for him. He does have a win over this Canterbury Turf Park course, so I, I don't mind the use at all. Um, for me... Man, I went to the five horse Mark of the Z here. Main reason, if you look at the wins for Mark of the Z, they're all from just off the pace. He's able to have some speed and then close in his and win since he had all of his gate to wire wins early in his career. Because that's, I think, what most people thought he was going to try and do early in the career. But if you go back to that Keeneland win in October 2021, sits in second, third place, was able to come up and get the victory. If you look at uh, the victory at Keeneland again, October 7th, 22, sits in second place, ends up running up and getting the victory. Even that last race, an allowance, $119,000 allowance, misses to front run the Fed, but sat mid-pack and then made a move into a fast pace. I think that's the trip you're looking for here. Baird comes in to take them out. I think Mark of the Z might get the perfect trip and be good enough to get this field. Uh, I use this horse as well. Uh, you made up all the good points, and I see Nick Feldman. It's his top picks. That always makes me feel good when I agree with what his top pick is in the race. Uh, last one for me, I used the number seven plane talk, uh, at eight to one. I expect this horse to be right up there with the early pace. Um, he can, has shown that he can come from off of it a little bit if he needs to, but he does need to be forwardly placed breaking from this po seven post. And I don't expect the eight to go with him at all. So I think he's got uh, a good chance to have a nice clean trip up front. You've got the top local trainer, Mac Robertson with Cristiano Roman in the saddle. This horse was a very good second in this race last year. He's got a lot of experience over the track has wins here on the turf so um i used him you do have the big question of the 280 day layoff and he is six years old but i'm getting eight to one and he did just work a five furlong bullet in 59 and one so um i think he's ready and uh, you got to trust that mac robertson wouldn't just throw him into this race if he didn't at least think he had a chance yeah i, I think the water for me the waters were just too deep to jump right in on him here right this is a tough spot for a horse that's going to want to try and go gate to wire and and I agree with you probably faster than the eight, but the eight might go crazy. The two might go crazy. The one could go crazy. The, like there's a lot of speed in here. So for a horse off this type of layoff at this age, trying to go gate to wire, I think is a, it's just a tall task. I bet Robinson was hoping that this drew a little less speed. Uh, Cause even the three who's getting mentioned in here, uh, who I didn't hate the alligator mm -hmm. hunter, uh, has some tactical speed as well. Could be trying to push the early pace. You saw him get that win at Tampa going sitting literally on a 20 and 4 43 and 2 half now tampa's turf can play really fast sometimes so grain of salt with the time there but at least has shown the speed and, be, to, and has been able to be forwardly placed yeah good point on the alligator hunter there uh i didn't end up using him obviously but uh definitely brings the speed into the equation penultimate leg of the canterbury lake pick five on wednesday june 21st race eight the canterbury derby for six three-year-old colts and geldings going a mile on the turf where'd you go on top buddy I went with the chalk. I think one in a vermilion is going to be awfully tough here. And I, I wanted to try and go against this horse, but my main issue was who goes with him, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I just don't see anybody who really is fast enough to push the pace. The three horse uh, Golden Bandit wants to be forwardly placed, but doesn't have one in vermilion type speed and one in vermilion draws the rail, which kind of 
forces the hand on one in Vermillion as well. So I think one in Vermillion's loose, uh, and I think he could be awfully tough. I do think the two and three could put some pace pressure on him, but if either tries to actually put pace pressure on him, neither of them can win. So I'm not really sure how you you use the two or the three. Now, maybe the two is just sits off one in Vermillion, one in Vermillion doesn't like the turf, doesn't like the distance, and the two is the only one that runs up. Okay, but at two to one, I'm not really interested in taking that. So I put one in Vermillion on top. I think he's the best horse. I think he has a pace edge. But I am interested in the four We Storm too. Do you remember We Storm? Um, well, I know this horse because of it was the also the other horse that I used in here. But continue. <laughs> on June seventh, We Storm was twenty to one on the morning line at Indiana Grand, and that was uh, a race that we had as the race of the day on Dudes Who Bet Daily, and we talked about We Storm that day, and uh, We Storm stormed home that day. If you go back and you watch that race, the kick was really impressive at Indiana. And the horse got bet off the freaking board. We're talking from 20 to 1 all the way down to 4 to 1. Thomas's numbers are phenomenal across the board. But when's the last start? He's 30%. He added blinkers. The horse really responded well to blinkers. Ah. This one needs some help. Someone needs to push at least a little bit, one in Vermilion. But I think We Storm is the second best horse in this race. And I mean, this might be one of those races where, you know, if this was a cash tournament, I would probably have a large 1 4 exactly here. I may still have a large one for exactly here, depending on what it pays. Uh, but I, I, I think those are clearly your two best horses in this spot. Uh, yeah, like I said, this is the other horse that I use as well. And Nick Feldman brings up a point about the fractions this horse closed into, even if it's slow. I know one in Vermillion is a stakes winner versus the horse that was trying to set the pace uh, in that turf race at Indiana Grand. But uh, they went 24, 15, 1, 1, 14 and a half. This horse drew off to still win by four lengths. The final 16th was in 5.7 seconds, and he was in hand. This yeah. horse was smoking. This horse was so fast and so good in that. I'm glad that I watched that replay. Um, the pace setter was Washington's Union. All right, so the horse tried going gate to wire, still held on for a second, just got the doors blown off him by a better horse. Note also, that was 14 days from the time of when that race was to when he races again. And now we're shipping across multiple state lines. And I think maybe time zone, I'm not sure. But you're going from Indiana Grand all the way up to Canterbury Park. Like, Thomas is not aggressive like this with a horse. Like, there's he could take his time. You've got Saratoga coming up. No, he's sending this horse right up here. So... Uh, yeah, I went 1-4 in that order with you here. By the way, 1 in Vermillion, uh, it does say that he had a 5 furlong work on the turf on June 14th. So it, he did, you know, it was a decent time. So, you know, it seems like he's able to handle it. So I, I'm with you. I think the 1-4 and, and a 1-4 exact is not a bad way to go. What well, do you think it ends up paying? Like, what are the will pays on a 1-4 exact here? Well, it all depends on whether or not Worthington takes money. Because if Worthington takes money and, and ends up going off around that 2-1 to one number, then the one two exact is probably going to pay three dollars. You'll probably get six bucks for the one four, maybe seven. And if you're getting six or seven to one on that exacta, I, I think it's a wild overlay. I think it should be closer to three and a half to four to one. Um, we'll see what that ends up going there. I, I gotta say, too, one in Vermilion, uh, his sire, Army Mule. Have you looked at like Army Mule's stats recently? No, what do they say? It is phenomenal. I don't think people realize <laughs> how good the stats on Army Mule is. His like so if you look at turf and dirt, route and sprint, so all four of those different categories, his worst percentage at any of those things is twenty percent. I mean, it is it is ridiculous. He's twenty four percent dirt sprinting, twenty one percent dirt routing, twenty seven percent over wet dirt, twenty percent turf sprinting, twenty percent turf routing. Uh, synthetic, he is five percent on since sprints, but his 
two for 38 with six seconds. So it's not like he's that far off. And synthetic routes, he's 18%. I mean, first-time starters, three-year-old and up, 36%. It is absurd how good Army Mule has been as a, as a stallion across the board so far or in, this earliest, this, in his early career. This is only a second crop that we're seeing right now. Uh, Dance Macabre is a multiple stakes winner for him. Uh, your boy Shadow Dragon by Army Mule. Um, Stands for 12500 Classy Bridget Recruiter. I know Recruiter is tearing it up down in Florida. Or um, No, he was over in Pennsylvania. Anyways, yeah. Uh, I knew that he was doing well. I did not know he was that well. Other than synthetic sprints. Then bet him to place. Don't bet him to win. <laughs> but it's crazy. You don't find... I, I, I actually cannot think of another horse that is 20%. Dirt sprint, dirt route, turf sprint, turf route as a sire. I can't think of a single one. And it won't last. Don't get me wrong. The, the, the sample size <laughs> isn't huge yet. But that's still phenomenal. Two crops in to be at those numbers. All right, Mike. The fifth and final leg of the Canterbury Late Pick 5 on Wednesday, June 21st. Race 9 is the MTA Stallion Auction Stakes. It drew eight three-year-old fillies and geldings. No colts. Kind of funny. Just fillies and geldings. They're going six and a half furlongs on the dirt. And these are all progeny of stallions whose service was sold at the 2019 MTA Stallion Auction. A very confusing restriction, but you can clearly tell who sponsored this race. Mike, where are you going on top? First off, I love this idea. I think this is a great <laughs> idea. 50K race if you bought, like, for this specific auction. I think it's a really good idea. More auction places should do it. Because you get some horses in here that have a shot at a 50K purse that probably would not have a shot at a 50K purse otherwise. Um, uh, this one was tough, man. I went through this race a lot. And I, I was all over the place at first. But I, I ended up with the six horse, Thunder's Rock and Roll on top. Eight to five morning line was, uh, was one to nine last time and lost. Yeah. Uh, at Canterbury. <laughs> Look, you go back and you watch that. You really want that horse to win. But I believe that that one to nine price was probably a little over bet because you see these horses at Canterbury get a little bit over bet when they're the favorite. I like this horse should probably be around even money in this race. If, if we run back to anything, if she runs back to anything close to those Oakland races, they're running for second here. So I, I'm going to put the six on top. I'll be interested to see what the actual off odds price are on the six. But I, I think she's the best horse in this spot. I do like the eight a little bit, which is an interesting one for me. Artistic vision, eight to one on the morning line. This horse is coming in from Will Rogers Downs, where it closed like a freight train over a sloppy track, uh, going six furlongs. There's, a, again, just a boatload of pace in here. I think the eight's the one who has the best chance of picking up the pieces, and that's why I made the ticket. Uh, I left off the six. Um, I could not figure out what went wrong with that horse or why the hell she was one to nine. Uh, but I'm also very scared about what her price will be. And if she's anywhere close to one to nine and she runs anything like she did in that last race. So she was just goofy. She was on the pace. She fell back. She re-rallied. She wouldn't switch leads. She flip-flopped leads. It was kind of a mess of a race. So um, it's interesting that she steps up. Well, I guess steps up to this spot. It's so restricted, it's hard to tell if it's really that uh, much of a step up for. But I did use the 8. I like the 8 a lot uh, at 8 to 1. Um, you know, there's a lot of speed in here. I think the 1, the 5, and the 6 could all be really flying early. She closed from 12 lengths off a hot early, uh, hot early pace to win a 6 furlong Oklahoma bread allowance. It was in the slop, it was oaky breads, but again, this is kind of a weird restriction here. Um, I think she's got the right running style, just like you do, to do well in this spot. And the Jockeys won 4 the last 17 rides for the barn finishing in the money in nine of those. So uh, you have faith that the jockey knows the knows the barn and what the horses are trained to do. So 
Um, I like to use that one. My top pick is the number four, Chet Cash and Connie, who beat Thunder's Rock and Roll last time out uh, by one and a half lengths. And noted that was her first start in 260 days. So while I can't make an excuse for Thunder's Rock and Roll having a bad one, I can say there's a good reason the four takes a big step forward. It's now going to be her second start off the layoff, second start at age three. Note that Gallardo stays here instead of riding the three horse who he was on uh, for her win last time out. I think the four has got a really strong chance here, and I like that the jockey uh, Gallardo for Robertson is hitting at 25% in the last year. Yeah, that's my third horse in, and uh, the last horse I'm using on my ticket here. I'm going three deep with the four, the six, and the eight. Uh, I think they they logically make the most sense. I think the four and the six are the best two horses. I think the eight horse is going to be the one that gets the the correct setup to be able to try and get the job done. Be interesting where the four sits because that that race was just funky. When you go back and you watch the replay, just the the way that the pace went out and like how you had horses in different places that fade back, that both closed. I mean, even if you go, go back and you watch the four, Jack Cash and Connie in there was third by a neck and then two fell two lengths back behind the leader and then ended up being able to run down that leader late. Like it just a really oddly run race on that day. So I, I'm kind of, I respect the four and the six is the best two horses. I think the six is better. I think that, that you're going to see that on, on what is this Wednesday, but we'll see what happens. Uh, last one up for me, the number three, Sir Sterling at four to one, beat Minnesota bred allowance horses last time out, going five and a half furlongs. A uh, group that included the number five in here, Sam says, horse is now in his third start of the form cycle, loses Gallardo, like I said, but Lindy Wade, as you've talked about already, is a, a more than capable jockey. Um, the horse is going to need to be part of the early pace, and it could get hot up front, but he has shown in the past in his races that he can um, attend the pace. He can be sitting up on a, a quick pace like last time out and still be able to power home from him. So uh, a little bit different set of speed. You also, he was 22 to 1 that day. He's now 4 to 1 here. Uh, so a big, a big dip in the price, but I still like this horse's chances. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head on why I'm not using this horse. I mean, this is the funeral, right? The wedding was last time at 22 to 1. Uh, I, I did not attend that wedding. I don't feel like attending the funeral here on the three. Other problem for me, uh, both wins at five and a half furlongs. And both times, the four races at six, every single time that last half furlong has been a problem for this one. So when you combine the, the shorter price and the added distance, I felt like the three was one I could leave off. That's fair. Um, I, I really wanted to use the six, but I got a big issue for me was the price. I'm so scared of what she's going to be. That What do you think actually realistically she is? The four six. To, four to five. Yeah. All right. I mean, low. like, I, I, I think it's going to be hard for her to get bet below that because she lost to the four last time which naturally is going to have money go that direction. Now she beat the four two back, so there's there's that. I think that the three is going to get bet down from four to one, uh, specifically because if you're just – if you look at like – so Canterbury has a lot of local money, so a lot of people bet on track. There's actually a pretty good uh, attendance there every single night they run. That line is going to jump out to people, that 73 buyer, the, the gate-to-wire win. Like that is the best race on the page for anybody, and it – now you're getting Lindy Wade in there with a, a trainer that's known well around there. Like I, to me, I think the three ends up taking some money. So with the two of them taking some money, I think it's gonna be hard to get the six below four to five. That's gonna do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to go through the late pick five at Canterbury Park on Wednesday, June 21st. We'll go ahead and give it our tickets one last time for the podcast listeners. If you're watching the video, take a look below. I'll start off. I'm gonna go five seven with three five seven with one two five seven. With one four, with three four eight, that's seventy two dollars, Mister Samich. Give me the two seven with the two four five ten. If the ten scratches, I'll switch it over to two four five eight. 
with the one five, with the one four, with the four six eight. It costs you $54 for 50 cents. Over at RacingDudes.com, we've got a lot of fun stuff happening. It's Royal Ascot Week. It starts tomorrow, Tuesday, June 20th, 6.30 a.m. Uh, West Coast time for the first race, which is the Queen Anne Stakes. I didn't remember what the name was, but I did previews for the... There's four Breeders' Cup winning your in races this week. I did previews for them. They're up at YouTube.com slash RacingDudes. Uh, two of them tomorrow, the Queen Anne and then the King Stand. Uh, the Queen Anne is a race. That's, they're both open gender races, but it's you would think that being Queen Anne that that's you know restricted to fillies or something. But anyways, got those two up there. The Prince of Wales's stakes uh, with Luxembourg against Adiar, and then American Rascal. We got to wait all the way till Thursday, Mike. But we're going to see American Rascal in the Norfolk Stakes. And Wesley Ward was interviewed by Racing TV and said. This was his most likely winner of the Royal Ascot meet. And if you remember his debut at Keeneland on April 20th, pretty good. yeah, you can understand why he said that. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Royal Ascot to start. Uh, it is Tomorrow there is zero chance uh, that I will be waking up for this. Uh, I've got some people outed me here. Yeah, my birthday is tomorrow. And so the, the wife and I are having a little time away tonight, uh, which means that I will be intoxicated uh, tonight and not be waking up early for Ascot racing tomorrow morning. But we're going to have a good time anyway. Um, and yeah, then hopefully later in the week i can start getting up for this but it is like being on the east coast for ascot was so much nicer than being on the west coast for ascot <laughs> it's the one time where the sports the time difference doesn't help you sports wise yeah pretty much everything else sports is exponentially better being on the west coast uh car says how do you feel about modern games tomorrow i'll just tip my hand i picked him i, I love modern games in this he bounced back from his uh, maker's mark mile uh defeat with a, a big win in a grade one or group one race overseas um he looked incredible in it and up to the mark was right behind him at keeneland up to the mark's been pretty okay since then so i'm, I'm willing to forgive him losing the maker's mark mile i think he wins uh probably by about a length he doesn't like to win by a whole heck of a lot overseas but i think he's got a good length length and a half on him yeah, i mean chess pierre also like freaked and had a pace edge that day and so it was, I, I never, I think that was a tough setup for anyone coming from off the pace. And you mentioned up to the mark and what he's done since. I mean, that, that's been a very, very productive race moving forward, except for Chez Pierre, who sucked the next time out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, watch out for a horse named uh, uh, Chindit if you want to play a long shot too. I like Chindit as a Chindit and Cash, a couple of fun names for uh, long shots anyway. But, anyways, thanks for joining us for this one. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday with, uh, we'll be previewing Thistledown. It's a Magic Mike tradition, previewing the Ohio Derby card. Thistledown Saturday in June. Are you? I wasn't kidding. Listen, we had a special request. We had a special request from a longtime fan. All right. To do Thistledown. So Thistle. we're going to appease Aaron and do Thistledown. <laughs> Aaron said like, that wasn't me. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we'll be covering that on Thursday's show. So tune into that one. And of course, Dudes Who Bet Daily every Wednesday through Sunday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Uh, how did we end up doing on Sunday? I wasn't paying attention. One and two. You let the world okay. down, Magic. My plus Sorry. 140 cashed. If you had given out your your plus whatever it was, dog, in the CFL. Plus right? 130, yep. Went up, up 0.7 units, having a good old day. Instead, no. No, you can't help us out. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, I, I honestly, I totally forgot about it. It was, it was a hectic day. <laughs> no excuses, Magic. You got to just trudge on. Work hard, baby. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, the... the Nationals have blown a five-run lead and are now down six to five in the six. So that's that's not a great start to the day. Hopefully the Nationals can come back. But anyone who played Cincinnati to win the the, the Central, that is now four to one. It was forty to one when we talked about it. They're a that's half awesome. game back. 
That is awesome. Well, hopefully that cashes. Hey, all right, Shadi buying you a drink. I'll have to get the Venmo from Aaron. I was going to say, now we have to fit in. <laughs> That's the real tough part is getting the, uh, the evil genius who's cackling off screen yeah. to get us the money. So, But thank, thank you very much for that, Shadi. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Turning 40 tomorrow. It's kind of crazy. The big 4-0. Yeah, bought Aaron a drink. There you go. That's how that works. Hey, he's in, in Missouri. I think that's Aaron two drinks. Drunk. That that gets Aaron drunk. That's enough for, for the whole deal. <laughs> well, Aaron goes off to spend the $10 that was meant for Mike for his birthday. We want to say thanks for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Kellowart. He is at SumaBomb18, number one, number eight. Corporate Overlords at Racing underscore Dudes. Uh, make sure you check back with us in case we have changes to our tickets on Wednesday. And, of course, we will see you for Dudes Who Bet Daily at noon on Wednesday. Mike, happy birthday to you. Until next time, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And you'll be 40 next time we see you. Good luck this week, everybody. <laughs> the Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.